Welcome to the Unpolished MBA podcast and our special holiday series called Unpolished Gold, Mining for Talent in Transition, where we uncover the hidden gems of the professional world this holiday season. You're 100% right. Putting yourself out there is the only way. Uh, and as a marketer, I, of course, fully understand and believe that because it's something I've been encouraging my colleagues and different companies to do in order to just better market their products. But I, I think the same principles apply to an individual on a job hunt or in the, the middle of a potential career transition. So, well, you're a pro at it. So <laughs> I was looking at some of your LinkedIn stuff. I'm like, okay, I like, I like the way he thinks about things. And I think this will be some good conversation. Okay, Unpolished MBA audience, I want to welcome our next special guest to the podcast, Tori Kenlick. Hi, Tori. Thanks for joining. Thank you so much for having me on, Monique. Excited to be here and, uh, and, and chat a little bit. I am going to enjoy this conversation because your background in demand generation is it's, it's, it's my stuff. It's my jam. Like, I, <laughs> I love marketing. So... I want to dig into some of your expertise with that, but I also want to point out, I ran across across a post of yours where you were mentioning you were in career transition and it was so insightful, so transparent, so just enlightening for others who are at the same point. And you talked about taking time to recharge. So I want you to elaborate on the importance of taking rest, recharging between roles, especially for high demand positions like yours. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's easy to jump from job opportunity to job opportunity. And I, I have done that and, and made that mistake previously in my career. There was a time I was so excited to start a new job that the only reason I took any time in between is because I, I promised my wife that I would. And, and I ended up taking like one day in between roles so that I could play around the golf uh, and just kind of check the box that, uh, you know, I, I, I took a, a long weekend. But since then, I've, I've really kind of uh, wised up to how much taking a, a short break, recharging your batteries, resetting your priorities can make a difference, not just immediately, but long into the future. And right now, it's been pretty interesting that like this particular transition is one I haven't quite dealt with before because I'm considering not just, you know, moving to a, a, a different company, but I'm also really teetering on the fence of do I want to go full-time role back in-house or do I want to kind of do this solo thing that I'm continuing to see pop up more and more. I have some close friends and former colleagues that are having a ton of success with it. And so taking this, this short break in between, you know, in between jobs here is something that's going to help me to figure out what's best for me, what's best for my family. And also, you know, give me a little bit of time and flexibility to, you know, do some things that, that maybe I, I wasn't able to before tomorrow, for instance, uh, rather than kind of doing some of my typical day to day and, and sitting in front of a computer screen all day, I decided I'm going to pull my kids out of school. We're going to go see a new Trolls movie. I'm going to take them to this little park called Storybook Land and, uh, and do some Christmas stuff. And like, those are things that, you know, I wasn't able to do before. It took a whole lot more planning if I, if I was able to do it. And uh, right now, you know, this is the exact reason I'm, I'm taking this, uh, this, this short gap in between opportunities is, is to spend time with uh, the things that are most important. And that is my, my kids and my family. You know, this time of year is really a good time to spend with them because they have, they'll be out of school soon for like two weeks as well, if they're old enough to be in school. 
And it's just such a sweet time of year, even with just taking them out to look at the lights or whatever festivities are happening in your area. So this is a this is a good time for that. It sounds really sweet. As you are taking this time to recharge, what are some other things that you're doing, you know, even outside of spending time with your family, right? As far as like, are you searching right now or are you just kind of still? I'm leaning really hard into into networking right now. Uh, I have always valued my my network, put a lot of time into nurturing relationships. You know, it's rare that I work with a person and then, you know, when I, I leave that company or organization uh, that I, I never, you know, uh, contact those folks again. It's something I've always been really good about. But right now I'm, I'm putting a, a real, real emphasis on that. Uh, and at the same time, also, you know, trying to get a little bit more active on LinkedIn. I, I had a period over probably the past, you know, six to 12 months where I, I kind of went dark on on the, the LinkedIn platform. And right now I'm kind of realizing that the last few roles that I've gotten were 100% came by way of my network. Uh, it wasn't because I was filling out job applications or spending time filming through job boards. It was because the people that I knew, the people that I worked with, the people that understood my skill set and what I can bring to a company uh, far better than what I could just write up on a resume. Those are the same people that are going to be able to, to, you know, kind of connect me with my next opportunity. And at the same time, I also want to pay it forward and and make sure that, you know, I'm understanding different challenges that other folks in my networks are having so that while I come across new opportunities or, or you know, I'm speaking with other marketing leaders, uh, I can perhaps, you know, plug in some of the other folks that um, might be on the hunt as well. So, yeah, that's that's kind of a big part of, of what I'm doing, you know, outside of just you know, making sure that I'm taking time every day to break a sweat and work out, spending some extra time with the kids doing a, a couple of freelance projects here and there. I'm also definitely spending quite a bit of time on LinkedIn, meeting with previous connections or even brand new people that I've never spoken with or met before uh, and just really kind of help them better understand my path, my area of expertise, and hopefully shed some light on any questions that you know they're having trouble answering or uh, any challenges they're facing with some of their job hunts as well. Yeah, that that network can't be ignored. It's it's going to be increasingly more important as a lot of automated content is put out there. People need to know who you are, right? And I, I think you really give a, a, a good insider preview to that on your LinkedIn feed. The qualities that you're looking for in your next role, what are some of those? What does your ideal next position look like? Yeah, I think right now I'm, uh, I mentioned I'm kind of teetering on the fence between going back in house full time and potentially doing more of the kind of freelance consulting. Would it be more on the demand gen side, like what you've done in the past? For sure. Yeah, it would 100 percent be, uh, you know, really leaning into my my demand gen background. That's when I feel like I'm doing my best work is when I'm, I'm focused on, you know, building a demand gen engine, optimizing a demand gen engine, helping companies figure out how to take marketing from a, a cost center into a, a true strategic part of the business that, that will help them grow. Uh, and so, you know, I've worked in a number of roles over the past few years where I was overseeing all of marketing. And uh, what I've come to realize is that, you know, even the different disciplines within marketing might have become my responsibility or at least something that, you know, I had some teammates that would handle the day-to-day -day execution. Those areas like product marketing, for instance, I really enjoy it. I've been enjoying learning a lot more about it over the past few years. But uh, when it comes to actually doing that product marketing type of work, the same thing that might take me a week might take a true product marketing person a couple of hours. 
And so, you know, I really want to make sure that I'm going to go into the freelancing consulting world, uh, that I'm able to flex my skill set, do what I do best. And that's really going to be focused on demand gen. But at the same time, my experience, both in demand gen roles and just other marketing leadership roles, does suggest that like, you need to have a good understanding of how everything works and that it's all interconnected. But at the same time, you know, I really know that the time I'm doing my best work is going to be when I'm really leaning into the building and optimizing demand gen engines and, and framework. You know, demand gen has evolved. It's one of those things now where even with having AI, it's going to continue to evolve even more. So do you think AI will... Well, in what ways do you think AI will continue to affect demand gen? Yeah, I mean, I, I so I, I had the opportunity to work at an AI company recently. And I think the, the one thing that like has really stuck with me there, this was kind of part of our narrative, our, our tagline, what we were really trying to put out into the market was that like AI should be used for really helping to build out some of these kind of skill sets and and not fully replace or, or automate them. So I think like augmentation versus automation is is the key there. Uh, are there different components of demand gen that could be done differently, that could be done faster, maybe a little bit better uh, by utilizing AI? Yes, 100%. And, and it's important for all of us, not just marketers, but all of us to really understand that like AI is not just a short-lived trend here. It's it's not going anywhere. And so it's best if we do figure out how to lean into it, how to utilize, but not become overly dependent on it. I don't see a, a world where artificial intelligence will replace a demand gen function within a, uh, a, a marketing team, but I can absolutely see the people working in that demand gen function utilizing AI every single day. I think one of my favorite use cases for it was just like, thought starters on different campaigns or taglines and sure. and just kind of looking at, uh, you know, a, I, I like Anthropic and Claude too, as compared to ChatGPT, just my personal preference. But, you know, if I was ever kind of just staring at a blank page, you know, heading over to, to Claude too and, you know, right. typing in a couple prompts, getting a few ideas to at least kind of get, uh, get my wheels in motion. And I'm never going to be a person that's going to just take the output of something from an AI chatbot and use it as my own work. Mm. And I would a hundred percent recommend against anyone doing that. But I do think that there's, there's a lot of use cases out there that can really just kind of help expedite or help these teams move a little bit faster, create a little bit faster, uh, and, and not sacrifice the authenticity that comes from real people doing real work. Well said. It definitely does help accelerate the process when you're staring at a blank screen and not really sure where to start. And it, it does help with generating ideas. So in terms of demand gen, what are some modern strategies in that that's working right now? Yeah, I mean, uh, so I, I, I spent time working at a, a pretty reputable demand gen, we'll call it an agency, uh, Refine Labs. And I think the biggest thing that I, I learned there uh, that is still a really kind of popular approach and mindset that Refine is out there pushing is that you need to be out there creating demand for your company and not just sitting back and, and capturing it. Uh, there's too many companies out there that are just relying on these demand capture channels like AdWords, like you know, Captera and Software Advice and Bing. And certainly there's a place for that. You want to be able to capture the demand in the marketplace. And that is how you're going to get people from that interest into the hands of your, your sales team. But at the same time, you need to make sure that you're out there 
creating demand as well. And so what that really looks like is a, a heavy focus on educating that 95% of the market who is not in a buying phase. Uh, there's a lot of different ways to do that with content, with advertisements, with webinars. But the key piece of that is that you can't look at all of those tactics and interactions as something that should be handed over to a sales rep. You know, there has been rips created in between marketing and sales for years because marketing is, is generating low quality leads, checking a box, saying that they're hitting their top of funnel targets, and then passing junk over to a sales team. Yeah. And that benefits nobody. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, if you're out there really just uh, focusing on educating the, the marketplace, helping them understand whether it's, you know, uh, a situation where you're creating a category and you need to raise awareness of the problem, or it's a well-known category and you need to raise awareness of the solution, whatever it is, whatever strategies you're utilizing, really leaning into that and, and thinking about education first, thinking of it like a like a bank account, right? You you can't just be withdrawing all the time. You want to be depositing, depositing, depositing. And then occasionally that kind of withdrawal, that demand capture tactic uh, can get sprinkled in. But you really want to have a heavy focus on educating your market, helping them with tactical advice that can make them better in their role every single day. And then guess what? When that trigger event occurs, the company that helped them, that they're consistently seeing their educational content day after day, week after week, that's the one that's going to be top of mind. And that's the company that they're going to come to first. Uh, and, you know, if you've done the work of, of ensuring you've got a, a good user experience on your website, you're able to capture the people that are landing on it, you've got the right messaging and the right positioning, that's when the demand gen engine really does kind of turn into, a, into an engine, into a flywheel. Uh, as compared to just you know, heavy emphasis on let's try to spend as much money on AdWords as possible because we can think we can prove out an ROI better than something that might be a little bit more thought leadership focused, a little bit more education and, and future focused. Mm -hmm. So when folks are trying to build out their demand gen teams, right? So what role do you play and what other people do you think need to be on that team? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, in it, it so true marketing answer here, it depends, but uh, I'll say like, you know, for smaller companies, right? I think at the very bare minimum, you really need a person that's going to be an architect that's going to have the this focus on strategy that knows which levers to pull that can be really tapped into your your ICP and, and your, your audience. You need a, uh, a storyteller, a person that can either um, write or speak uh, intelligently and consistently on the topic and maybe you need some type of like designer or a videographer that can really kind of help with some of the, the visual the visual aesthetics helping to kind of bring these things to life make sure that they look polished enough that you can go out to market and i think like that to me is the is the bare minimum that you need in order to kind of build out a, a demand gen engine at a at a smaller company the architect the storyteller and the designer as you look at larger, more mature companies that are generating more revenue, uh, that's when you start to really need to kind of, you know, layer in some of the, the different pieces. Maybe you need somebody that's a little bit like more focused on the paid media aspect and living in those platforms every day. Uh, and maybe you need somebody that has a real strong RevOps background and understands how to measure things and connect all the different systems and, and processes. Uh, but, you know, I think at the bare minimum, you've got to have your architect, you've got to have your storyteller, and you've got to have your 
your your creative and your your kind of visual uh, design as well. So out of those roles that you mentioned, where would you fit in? Where is your ideal um, skill set used? Yeah, for me, I'm I'm definitely uh, more of the the architect type. But I think uh, I've I've played all the roles. I'm not a designer. Uh, I, I I do think that I'm a, a good enough writer and storyteller that I can make do. But I have been in situations where I've had to kind of wear all those hats and yeah. I've had to learn different platforms like Figma or Canva. There's so many out there now that are, are, are relatively easy to use that, that I've been able to kind of figure some of those things out. But I think for me, I'm much more of the person that, you know, is going to be able to carve out the strategy, that's going to be able to figure out the media mix, that's going to be able to articulate the strategy and the path forward to the leadership team and also maybe some of the people that are actually the individual contributors are doing a, a lot of the, the day-to-day work. I think that's the role in where I'm at in my career right now, where I'm best suited. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I have spent times in my career in all those different roles. And I think it's kind of made me a better marketing leader, and demand gen architect, so mm-hmm. to speak, because I've been able to wear those hats, understand the challenges and the interconnectivity between all of them. You mentioned about there being a rift, a rift between sales and marketing teams within companies. For sure, my entire career has always been the case. So can you describe maybe some things that you think can be done to help build trust and alignment between the two so that they can improve the working relationship? Because it's critical to the success of a company. A hundred percent. And I think a, a big part of it is the mindset of a marketer, really understanding. I'm not a person that's going to go out there and say like, the entire reason for marketing's existence is to serve the sales team. But I will say that it should be a, a huge focus and, and it is of the utmost importance that the marketing team is finding ways that they can effectively drive sales. And it doesn't need to fall 100% on the marketing team, but it also shouldn't fall 100% on the sales team uh, in order to do those things, to find those prospects, to create that awareness. Uh, but rather it, it needs to come uh, as a true collaboration. And for me, I like to spend a whole lot of time with the sales team. I like to spend time with the CS team, uh, spend a lot of time you know, with the customers and the people that are having those customer facing conversations every single day. They're the ones that are gonna really be able to tell me if the campaigns that I'm, I'm driving uh, are changing the conversations that they're having. If, um, you know, uh, if I hear about a, you know, uh, I love to go to a, a CS leader and say, hey, give me your list of FAQs um, that your team is facing every day, because uh, if those are things that your CS team is being asked, then those are the same questions that a prospective client is going to have. And I want to be able to answer them through marketing campaigns. Oh, that's going to accelerate things. That's going to give the team uh, more content and collateral with some of their outreaches. And that's going to make sure that we're all focused on answering the same questions and are speaking the same language. And so like, that's just, you know, to me, table stakes for a marketing leader is you need to be really close with the sales team, with the sales leaders, with the sales reps, and same thing with CS, the CS leaders and the CS reps as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, those can be, you know, such a source of, of information and inspiration for a marketing team. And I think that too often it's just an us versus them mentality and marketing saying that they're doing the hard work and sales doesn't follow up on the leads and, and sales is saying that marketing's generating junk leads. It's like, yeah. just sit down, have the conversation, hear each other out and better understand what needs to be fixed and then take accountability for it. Even if you don't think it's, it's your fault or, you know, your responsibility, if you're the person that's trying to bridge that gap, that's going to go a long way. 
Uh, and it's also going to create that collaborative environment where all these customer facing teams are rowing in the same direction. Well said, well said. I like this one book called uh, Never Eat Alone. And I think that every sales and marketing team should read it and commit to having a meal, a lunch together, mixing it up where, where they have lunch with different folks throughout the year. Because opening that communication and knowing that people aren't out to get you is a good thing. <laughs> so... Yeah, I agree 100 percent. And and that, you know, makes it much more collaborative when when you've got a, a friendship on top of a good working relationship. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you've shared a lot of great information here. So I want to know just some of your closing thoughts for others that are in the midst of transitioning in their career. Do you want to share anything that could be helpful to them? Yeah, I think uh, there's a couple of things that I, I really like to do. I'll, I'll point out two of them. One of them is, is starting every week with just documenting your list of priorities. I, I worked for a CEO recently. He called them must-win battles, the things that you document on Monday that you need to achieve by Friday. And I think, you know, even if you're not uh, a full-time employed, it's a really great exercise to go through. It can give you a little bit of purpose. It can give you a lot of direction. Uh, and for those that are more task-oriented, just checking those boxes uh, over the, the course of a couple of days can kind of really give, go a long way and make, number one, ensure that you're achieving something towards a larger goal. But number two, that you're actually having some productivity with your day in a period that might feel a little bit rudderless from, from time to time. Uh, and then the other tip I would say is, you know, get out there and get active on LinkedIn. Uh, sure, it's easy to just kind of say like that it can be an echo chamber or that there's a lot of people saying the same things out there. But for a person like myself who was active for a while, went through a dark period, but now I'm really leaning back into it. Uh, it's been pretty amazing just what I've seen by way of my friendships, my connections on LinkedIn, people sending me job opportunities, strangers reaching out, just wanting to meet, understand, you know, the challenges I'm going through in my uh, job, likewise, sharing what they're going through. And and there's a real kind of sense of community in all that, that people should really lean into with uh, with this platform. That's, that's why LinkedIn was created. Uh, and I think maybe it's lost its way over time with uh, you know, the popularity of it, the ad revenue that comes from it. But uh, it's still a great platform for people that are authentic, that are willing to share their experiences, their trials, their tribulations, put themselves out there and, and you know, really lean into this kind of networking ability that this platform offers. And so I would say those are the two, the must-win battles every week and, and really going all in on the, the LinkedIn networking. Good advice. So I want to ask you the last couple of questions I've been asking everyone else, our rapid fire questions. And one is, please share a favorite book or a book recommendation for others. Ooh, okay. Um, uh, one of my favorite uh, that I, I like to kind of continue to revisit is, is Story Brand. It is just such a, a great book for uh, any person that's in a part of a go-to-market function, uh, but certainly for, for marketers. And I think just in general, right, storytelling is, uh, is a very timeless art form. And this particular book makes it very tactical in telling people how to craft a great story, uh, number one, but then how to do that for their brand. Uh, and it really kind of helps uh, a storyteller better understand how to position themselves within this, this story arc and how they should be ultimately the guide for their ICP, for their audience, and the guide helping them get to that that uh, that ultimate destination and i think that it's a it's a great book it's an easy read and it's super tactical and something that you know i think 
any marketer of any level of experience could really get a lot of value from. So that's the one that definitely comes to mind for me for my favorite book. And uh, and as I'm saying this out loud, I probably need to go back and, and reread it right now because uh, <laughs> I'm sure I didn't even do it justice the way that I just explained it. No, you did. I've read that book. It's awesome. And I think it should be in every person's library, whether you're a marketer or not. So it's really, really good. Really good recommendation. Next thing is, what what is a tech tool that you can't live without? Uh, Trello. Trello is my is my favorite one. That one keeps me organized in more ways than one. Uh, I'm actually looking at my Trello board right now. It's it's almost always up on my screen, but I think uh, it's great for like uh, a swipe file, right? You know, if you're active on LinkedIn or in different communities and people are sharing templates or ideas, uh, it's a great place to just kind of compile those things and keep them organized. Mm-hmm. Uh, and LinkedIn is just so flush with great content and great ideas and videos and templates that it's easy to just kind of like something and carry on with your day and then forget it or, or lose sight of it. But using that as my swipe file, and I can also kind of grab a, an advertisement that I really like or a YouTube video and uh, and link to it there. But then I also use it for things like keeping my different job opportunities and things like that. I've got a separate board to just keep an eye on those things using the, the Kanban style layout to just kind of remind myself where things are at, if there's different follow-ups that I need to be doing. Um, so Trello is is definitely my my favorite tech tool. And, uh, and you know, there's a free version out there that, that really offers a whole lot of value and, and you don't have to, to pay anything for it. Folks, I'm going to link to both the Story Brand book as well as to Trello in case you'd like to look into it more. Those are some great recommendations and insights. So, Tori, I want to thank you for joining us today. And most importantly, I want to wish you a happy holiday. And likewise, thanks for having me, Monique. Thank you for listening to the Unpolished MBA podcast. If you're tuning in for the first time, this episode is part of our holiday 2023 special series called Unpolished Gold. It's a curated collection of conversations and insights designed to highlight career professionals navigating transitions and experts with a wealth of knowledge to share. So as the year winds down, It's the perfect time to reassess, rebrand, and reinvigorate your career aspirations, remembering that every challenge is an opportunity in disguise, and every transition is a doorway to new possibilities. Stay tuned for our next episode, and if you'd like to be a guest during a special series running through New Year's 2024, go to unpolishedmba.com forward slash gold. And don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with anyone who might benefit from these insightful discussions. Here's to uncovering and celebrating the unpolished gems within us all. Happy Holidays.